When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wake up in the morning feeling like Waterman is extremely well. She's very slippery. You don't own me. Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. Hello, tryhards. Welcome to the Pajama Party Podcast. <laughs> Indeed. So I, wish, I wish the listeners could see the kutchy dressing gown that you're wearing. Well, we'll get into that later, shall we? Into your dressing gown. Uh, yeah, I guess there's an announcement to make on the pod this week. Obviously, um, we will talk about... Wales is lost to Italy in, in the Six Nations last weekend. Um, we have covered off previously in these podcasts that each of the, the fixtures throughout the Six Nations play for different trophies. Um, it, it is a little known fact that um, Wales and Italy actually play for the possession of Danielle Sean Waterman. And um, <laughs> I am devastated to say that Italy's win means that they are now in possession and we had to fly Nolly out to Rome this week. So, where Just are a quick you? stop over. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm in Rome. I did a little cryptic picture on my Insta story yesterday um with the old portrait filter so it blurred out the background and said oh, oh moving to my new home where am I quite a few guesses of Paris some of London um it's probably because you speak fluent French yeah I mean blah, 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 blah. I speak about five different languages fluently to be fair um in my head what actually comes Arigato out of my- cheese on cho- cheese on toast um yeah so I'm in Roma um not officially yet I'm just popping it I've just popped over for a few days just to hang out but um my wonderful fiance Simone has been offered a job and he has taken it and we've moved from the sunny highlands to the sunny city of Rome which is slightly different not gonna lie I mean, late yesterday about how we're walking back from going to a lovely non-Italian restaurant, um, Zuma, but um, <laughs> Japanese for anyone that doesn't know that, um, saying how mad it is, because you said how beautiful the Highlands are, obviously, but also how beautiful Rome is, but yet they are so different. 
in like total stark yeah. contrast um of each other but yet stunning in either, in both ways so yeah i think rome is one of the most beautiful cities in the world rome trumps paris for me in, in that regard i absolutely love it i love how you can turn every corner and it's like you're walking through history you are a lucky girl aren't you well yeah i mean look i simone has been offered a very good job um and it was a job he couldn't turn down and an opportunity um it's funny how perception isn't always necessarily reality um i now actually have to learn italian <laughs> Um, considering but, that you've managed to coach the Cavaliers with about three words of Italian to this point I mean it's long overdue Nolly it's long yeah, overdue it um and yeah look it's it's going to be an amazing opportunity um for both of us I think it will be be an experience be an adventure um so yeah and I'm and I know that you're happy because you get to come and visit. <laughs> I'm so excited to eat all the pasta. Um, we touched on the fact that Wales obviously lost last weekend to Italy. Um, obviously gutted as a Welsh fan, but I've previously voiced my um, distaste at the promotion relegation conversation. I don't think it's necessarily the way forward for the Six Nations and actually... I think with this growing conversation around South Africa joining the championship, um, if anything, it's thrown a little bit of, uh, if not water, to quell the flames of that fire, um, at least perhaps a damp cloth to uh, to stifle it somewhat. So for me, Italy winning is not necessarily the negative that a lot of fans will see it as in Wales, though it has been interesting to see a huge outpouring of PVAC out and that kind of headline in the press here. Um, so will it be baby with the bathwater? Um, how pleased were you as an Italian woman to see your, your country victorious? Well, what was funny was... Um... Simone had moved here last week and um yeah so on the groups they basically all said that him moving back to Italy has meant that they finally had the inspiration that they needed <laughs> um you know what I just think it's amazing um I think it's Capoosa the the fullback although the winger that looks pretty young and not quite filling his um his shirt yet um the way he played um we obviously last year, was it last year or the season before, Stephen Varney and um, Paolo Garbisi, like came onto the scene as these youngsters yeah. um, getting their first caps, you know, being, having just been literally fresh out of 20s. Um, and there was this hope and expectation put on them. And, you know, they did play some good rugby, but it was just always going to be a bit too much. I think what was super, super impressive for me wasn't, the average age which I think was about 25 yeah. was actually how where they've come unstuck before has been their set piece um when teams have really whipped into them um and also their consistency in defense and their willingness and their fitness to just keep getting up and smashing the collisions and smashing yeah. the collisions or being organized and Wales scored a couple of um well, Josh Adams, no way should have scored his tries, like kept flying through the middle. Um, 
but yeah they were relentless and they just didn't give up and I think that even from the kickoff and Dan Bigger in an interview I said you know he said right from the start we weren't we weren't there and I and maybe is that some because it's Italy and trotting out in your last game you haven't had a great tournament championships blah 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 I don't know sometimes sometimes as a team that just happens and then you can feel it happening yeah. and you can't about it apart from try harder and then when you try be a try hard but in a bad way <laughs> you make more mistakes and it's really weird um I've played in games like that probably yeah maybe probably internationals but we've been too powerful to to get that win do you know what I mean but then you sit in analysis and you're like that was absolutely terrible like we were atrocious at times there's a really um, but- interesting stat about um, Alan Wynne Jones has lost all of his milestone matches. So his first cap, his 50th cap, his 100th cap, his 150th cap. And also when he broke the record against Scotland in that. Exactly. Order. Exactly. So, yeah, he's perhaps a bad omen. But I think one question I wanted to ask you on that is, you know, you've played with greats of the game. You were a great of the game as a player, not saying that you're not now as a retired player, but do you think it was right that he came back in for that fixture having had no rugby under his belt um what does that do to a team morale especially a team that are building to a world cup which is now less than 18 months away that somebody can just waltz back in who's who's in charge of that team to make that decision that he's coming back in i think it depends on what role he was given like he wasn't given the arm captain's armband was he um i think if the the biggest thing for me is that he shouldn't have been there because of Alan Wynne Jones of old. He needed to be there because of training performances and he needed to earn that opportunity. And if he has earned it because he's gone in training and absolutely smashed it and outplayed the people in his positions, then yeah, he does deserve it. And that's what you don't get to see, unfortunately. Yeah don't get to see that but you know I think the fact he didn't get the armband he didn't he came in um I don't think a player of that such is ever going to be a detriment to a team if he's playing really really well in training but if I was the if I was the player that had lost my shirt or if I was the players around him there would be no blaming on him for being selected into it but I would just want to know that he's been put, picked on merit and ability in training now. That's all. So the fact that he had no rugby under his belt, do players of that caliber, is that just something that isn't needed? Like once you've you've won 149 or once you've played in 149 international test matches, can you kind of write off that need for for match minutes under your belt? Um, depends how intense training is, because actually, yeah, I mean, I think there is a massive difference between um, club rugby and internationals. Um, and it depends on the length of time that you've been out. Like I've, I've gone straight back into internationals. You know, my first, I was out for eight months to the day with my ACL in 2010 uh, before the world cup and our pre-match game, pre-match our pre-tournament games were against Wales. And that was my first game. And actually not, I had done very, very minimal contact. I was yeah. absolutely, myself it was raining it was mud 
awful. And Katie Daly McLean decided in her wisdom to run an M1 pop, which was a classic move back in the day. So 10 to 13 with the hard line from the fullback. So she basically sent me straight in on the crash ball on the first play. But it was good. It was exactly what I needed. Um, whether Streety had asked her to do it or not, I'm yeah. not sure. So, give, her, give her a little yeah. rib tickler, little little yes. corporate builder for her there. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the only game that the Wales game isn't the only game of the weekend. France Grand Slam champions. Is there a risk that they are peaking too early, or are they on this upward trajectory to their home World Cup next year? Um. No, I think that I think there's loads for them to learn. They should have lost against Wales. Wales just didn't see the game off. Um. They they dealt with a whole heap of pressure when we've learnt loads for the England game, and I think you hold on in games like that and you learn stuff, but then you also know as a player deep down, we could have lost that. And maybe against Wales, we should have lost that. Um, But that gives you a confidence rather than an arrogance. I think sometimes when you beat teams really comfortably, you don't do the analysis or you kind of rest on your laurels a little bit because you're like, oh, we're probably, we think we're better than we are. Whereas they've scraped through games um, at times, obviously, been absolutely amazing. Like it was like when the backs got the ball, it was like watching them in fast forward. Like, they were yeah, so I, um, Fiku is just such an. He just goes about his business, and defensively, oh my god, he's amazing. But part like his work off the ball. Like he's unbelievable. He's like one of their massive unsung heroes because everyone focuses on Dupont. But that 13 shirt is one of the hardest to play. And he just absolutely nails it in pretty much every game. You very, very rarely see him have a bad game. And I think he's the cornerstone um, with, is it Jaminet at fullback? Yeah. Um, his kick in is ridiculous. Um, I, th- I just think all of them contribute in that back line, which is amazing whatever they need to get to is that experience and hardness of their pack, but they got it. They, you know, they're getting there and they've had loads of game time, like loads of game time through the tournaments. Are they favorites of the world cup at this point? Do you think a home world cup? Um, you kind of got to put them up there in the mix. Uh, it depends on what, where South Africa, like you don't know, like New Zealand and South Africa, and Australia to a, to an extent were like at the arse end of a tournament of like nine million weeks away from home, fifty three games of rugby, yeah. and it, by the time they got to Europe and they'd been in a bubble as well for the whole time. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't think you can you can't say England like the French beating New Zealand over like yeah of course that was an epic game, brilliant for rugby, brilliant for French rugby to inspire that nation for the World Cup brilliant for the French game to beat England and win the Grand Slam. Do you know what I mean? But for that, like, bigger, wider picture of French support, blah, blah, blah. But that wasn't a team that was firing on all cylinders. They were exhausted. How difficult is it, and you can talk about this firsthand, to go into a home World Cup with... um, you know, a favourites tag or being favoured, you know, not necessarily that the out and out favourite, but, you know, we look 2011 Men's World Cup, New Zealand obviously won their home World Cup, but it, it, it was a torrid tournament for them because it seemed like that pressure weighed so heavily. You know, what was it like in, in 2010 being 
in a home World Cup with so much expectation on your shoulders? Um, I loved it. <laughs> I loved all the, I loved the pressure, the big games for me. I think, although saying that, I was having a real personal battle because I just literally returned from my ACL being reconstructed. And physically I was, I'd accelerated. I'd had an amazing support team um, and I'd accelerated my ability actually through my rehab, but mentally I hadn't caught up with my confidence and stuff in the injury and where I was at. And, you know, now you predominantly see an ACL reconstruction coming back after 10 to 12 months at, le at least, whereas I was on eight months, which was very, very accelerated at the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I loved the pressure of this. The worst game for us at the time we didn't play quarterfinals wasn't the final it was the semi-final the worst the most amount of pressure I've ever felt has been World Cup semi-finals because that is where the expectation is that England make a final that is where the expectation is that if you do not either basically if you don't don't win you can't even put your hat in the ring to get a gold medal um so but we played Australia and played amazing we played Ireland in 2014 they were the team of the tournament at the time because they'd beaten New Zealand played our best ever game whoever we played on that day we would have beaten them 2017 played France I lasted 25 minutes obviously then came off of my HIA England France I, it was the hardest 25 minutes of rugby I've ever played England through France through everything at England but England played some of their like real grueling rugby to get through it so it's like I don't know what's been impressive over the years I suppose for me is that England have got through those battles and all of those players have stepped up under that biggest amount of pressure yeah. so and I I always say this to players that I coach the best players play their best rugby under the best pressure under the biggest pressure we are going to move on to the Women's Six Nations and preview it in full, but I just want to pick up on that because something that I find really interesting is you have so much experience at that level in the World Cup, in the Women's World Cup. How much is the dynamic of that tournament going to shift with a quarterfinal stage? Um, I think the only challenge with it, I think it's brilliant. I think the fact that they've extended the tournament is amazing. So no game is being played from a knockout point of view um within a seven I think there's a six to seven day window yeah. now at least, um which is important because that's the four day turnaround is utterly ridiculous and why I missed the final because I couldn't go through a concussion protocol even though I would have passed it probably probably I didn't do it so I don't know but I would say the, but yeah anyway um I think the challenge with the women's game at the moment is that it's an additional level it's an additional game for teams that don't necessarily have the depth of some of the top level teams so for England you'll see a lot of rotation potentially um so players won't be as you know exhausted going into a quarterfinal that you know for other nations it's an extra game for them to be able to have to field so a lot although they get longer rest some players yeah. will be playing over that period of time so it goes from five uh, from five games, six games. Um, that said, I love knockout rugby. I think, you know, it's, it's pressure, isn't it? You know, it's an opportunity for 
more teams to feel that you know and also I think what's really really nice is that countries can say they can go back and players can say I'm a World Cup quarter finalist and I think that you know there are lots of teams that qualify into that spot but they've never had that branding of playing in a World Cup quarter final I remember after the World Cup final in 2010, I was obviously devastated and I stood at the bar and Claire Flowers, who played for Wales, I played with her at Clifton for years, senior player, wicked woman. She said, and I was gutted and, you know, she said, Niles, I'll never be able to play in a World Cup final. You've just done it. That's your, you know, and I think it put a perspective on actually just the achievement of saying I'm a World Cup finalist. So I think that in itself is a, it's cool and it's nice recognition and you never you never know who's going to be able to um take that you know maybe take a scalp um of a of a big team yeah one thing I just want to pick up on there as well is that it's interesting when you talk about the turnaround and and this extra layer of knockout matches obviously we play out in the women's tournament anyway but that game does mean more now um are the European, are the Six Nations countries going to be at a greater advantage than perhaps New Zealand, Australia because of playing a tournament like the Six Nations where it is five matches in six weeks? Um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think as well, it's about adapting over that time. It's about having the ability to review, recover, go again, review, recover, go, you know, um, and... Yeah, I think definitely. And it's a really good point because, you know, it makes me laugh about people say, you know, when people are like are adding all these teams into Six Nations. Oh, yeah. You know what? Let's add every single team in the World Cup and we'll just all keep playing international tournaments forever. Like, really? Like, the Six Nations is all right. People go, oh, it's only five games. Five international games in, what is it? Is six it eight? Weeks for the, six weeks for the girls, seven weeks for the boys. Yeah. It's absolutely hmm. exhausting, mentally exhausting, physically exhausting, emotionally exhausting. It is utterly, it's so hard. It's amazing, but it's exhausting. And that's why all the teams now players have got time away. I think I've saw yeah. Marcus Smith over in, in Dubai on the beach. Like, do you know what I mean? Obviously, the women went back to work, but we <laughs> and we're working in between. Yeah. But yeah, it's crazy hard. So... Uh, yeah, I think I definitely, I hadn't thought about it, but I definitely think women's Six Nations teams will be, have an advantage because of this, this tournament and because it is that little bit later. So it is a little bit closer to them. Yeah. Should we talk about it now? Well, I, one thing I want to pick up on, you've talked about a mental and emotional toll of tournaments. And I think it feels only appropriate to bring up um, what has been an incredibly disappointing few weeks for me but I'm relieved to say that match point is no more match point is dead but the king is dead long live the king fanzo is born friends fans family match pointers you will have had an email from Pete this week and always remember don't delete the Pete uh, fanzo is the new branding and the new relaunch rebirth of match point it doesn't change a huge amount other than the fact that the uh, organization behind it are looking to be more inclusive and are pivoting the, the brand and the organization in a few different ways. But the point predictor remains. And there is, of course, a women's Six Nations point predictor 
So the next part of this podcast is probably going to be the most important thing that you engage with all week because Nolly's prowess through her preview should hopefully put points on the board for our match pointers on the Fanzo app. Um, that said, last year was the first time that the match point, so the original match point yeah. actually did the women's game and it was amazing, but we were both rubbish. Yeah, we, we were. were totally rubbish. We were. And I, my preview of this Six Nations is, it's going to be closer than... I know. It's really hard. This tournament, there's four teams. I think England, France is obviously, I think they're going to be separate. They're going to be above. I think the score lines will be closer this year. But the, the other nations, it's going to be really hard to call. And I think I might, I hope I don't get any, um, I would say egg on my face, maybe pasta on my face. <laughs> egg pasta, carbonara. Um, it is interesting what you say. You don't think like the score lines are going to be closer. I still think that we're going to see some blowouts dealt by England. Um, but let's perhaps start then with this weekend and the opening fixture, which is uh, Scotland, England at the Dam Health Stadium, which is the little stadium attached to Murrayfield. They've sold, so as of yesterday, Wednesday, they've sold over four and a half thousand tickets for that clash, which is great. And the Scotland girls, I was with Rona Lloyd and Christine Bilal yesterday, and they're buzzing. They're so excited. And that's great to see. Um, so where do you think Scotland are coming in to this championship, Knowles? Um, I'm really intrigued to see how they get on. I think there's two things that are massively in their favour at the moment. So, well, three things. So going into the World Cup qualifier, they had a significant proportion of their backs having been professional players with GB7s. Yeah. And you massively tell their cohesion their skill level their fitness their confidence um their identity of as players what they were about um was really coming through and I think that that played a huge part in them going and getting that that last spot into the world cup repechage um you know Chloe Raleigh was unbelievable in that tournament um Helen Nelson was just chucking in little cross fields she did it in the Six Nations she did it again Rona Lloyd you know Rona Lloyd's been playing over in France so I think there's these these the backs in particular for me were in, a, were in an amazing place they've obviously then gone over to the World Cup qualifiers they had a couple of weeks in Dubai nice yeah. little venue for them um and although some of them weren't quite as white as I thought they might I think I feel like there might have been some bottle tannage going on <laughs> but it is really interesting because they went so they only played the second week of those repechage fixtures obviously Colombia had to play a game the week before um, Scotland were qualified all the way through to that final match against Colombia but they had two weeks like that is an unrivaled training camp scenario in women's rugby when do you ever get two weeks paid for training in Dubai you know that how valuable will that be in their prep for this Six Nations Championship? I think it's massive, and I think it's not just about um, the training. The it's the cohesion. You know, I think um, Brian Eason is clearly doing an amazing job, and I think having Rachel Malcolm, she obviously got injured. Um, was she injured for the whole of last Six Nations? Like, they're all kind in the of beginning, uh, didn't she? But um, pardon. She played the beginning. 
Yeah, I think she injured her knee against England. Uh, And just as a as a captain and and listening to the interviews and um, seeing the stuff on the Scottish rugby social media. um, Interestingly, Brian Eason's come out and said that each of the players have it's not talked about contracts. He's talked about each of them having financial support in that's individual to them. And I really like that. I think that that's quite cool. It's interesting. It's recognising that some of them have other jobs um, that won't be able to allow them to be full, full time, blah, blah, blah. But I, you know what, for me, I think Scotland are the team that uh, are potentially the team to watch actually over um, Ireland and Wales in terms of the, the home nations. I think, um, yeah, I, I think the, um, they've got some really good players and, and actually the last, so I think, was it last year? They got two try. they Scotland scored two tries against England and it was the first yeah. try scored against England since 2015. Um, England weren't great. Their backs were butchering stuff all, all left, right and centre. It was up in Doncaster, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, I think this weekend will be good. Um, I don't think they will live with England up front. I think it's going to be a way big ask. Um, but from a set piece perspective, I think their backs will give it a good, good ripping, which is good. I cannot believe you've got through that without mentioning the fact that one of your babies is now in that Scottish backline. Katie Mattinson is now Scottish. Um, you've really impressed me that, you know, normally you will try and find a way to take credit for teams and their successes. So well done, Knowles. I'm proud of you there. She's in my one of my ones to watch. <laughs> All right, okay. Okay, we'll get to that later. Um, okay, so England. I mean, it's going to be a cakewalk, this tournament, isn't it? They're, they're the best team in the world by a country mile. They, they proved that in the autumn, so. Um, yeah, I, I, I think they've got various injuries in the squad. Um, the depth of England is mad. Interestingly, reading the Scrum Queen's review, like their kind of downfall was the fact that they're so good. Their depth is so good that they might squad rotate a bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> they were like clutching at straws, I think. Um, that they put at the end which was interesting I think yeah England England are in a a brilliant place I think it will be a matter of setting their own standards against all of the teams um but France away um you know in recent years was has you know they've blown them off the park but I don't think that French outfit has had consistency for a long time because they had a lot of players, a lot of key players going back and forth to sevens and Drouin, the 10 being one of them and one of the main playmakers, she hugely influences, obviously we'll be, and we're talking about this later on, how they play. Uh, And she hasn't been back with sevens. She's been in 15s and I think they will be a very different side to to what England have faced over the last couple of years. Just one of the things, and I think what I'm really looking forward to is the different combinations. Um, I think who gets the nod at different positions again, because England have had a couple of players that were with sevens that have now come back to 15s, Helen Rowland being one of them. She's been playing unbelievably well for club. I think the nine shirt is a little bit up for grabs at the moment. It'd be really interesting to see um, whether Mohunt coming back into the squad topples Leanne who Leanne Riley who or Leanne Infante who has been um she was out injured she's had a couple of operations been really unlucky with injuries actually um had got the nod over Mo um and then Mo obviously stepped away 
but with Claudia McDonald injured long term at the moment, there's that kind of space there at the moment that um, and then the other the other positions, which I think where England have. Well, without Berner at last year um, is front row. And I think one player that really impressed me um, and it pains me a little bit because she is an uber tryhard, but she had, she was one of our original tryhards um, was Bryony Cleal. Yeah. Again, really unlucky with injuries, but against Quinns in their recent game for Wasps, um, she absolutely like smashed it up front with um, Kalina Maloney and uh, uh, Maud Murr. Like as a front row, I've never seen Wasps take apart a, a Quinn's team and yes they were without Amy Cocaine and I think Vicky Cornwall wasn't playing but they had Shauna Brown in there yeah. um and they also had um other play like other decent players so yeah Bryony's how actually much, how much has Bryony's club switch helped her do you think um I think massive like she's talked quite a lot about the SNC I think Adam the SNC at Wasps has absolutely smashed her <laughs> um I think it's given her a different perspective a different um identity away from poppy away from that saracens kind of real dominance i think saracens have been really lucky to be so dominant up front that all of them play well but they play off each other whereas you know for wasps she's having to step up and you know there's a young young squad she's obviously had a lot of injuries as well she's not played that much rugby um but yeah i think it's a different place for her to be i don't think she was ever in um Brian uh, in Poppy's shadow. I mean, both of them have got exactly the same shadow, haven't they? But uh, <laughs> by their nature of identical twins. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the other and the, the other thing with England is, you know, for, from for for their like, it's it's England's set piece that they they basically have the ball that they they can play off yeah. against. Everything. I think I'm really intrigued to see how France go at them at, at scrum time. Um, it's where they got a nod with the last game when England won 10-6. They was, they, England were going back at a rate of knots at times in the scrum, which doesn't normally happen. Yeah. How do backs react off that? Um, but in the autumn, so Zoe Allcroft is injured, well, player of the year, like absolute superstar. She's injured at the moment. She's hoping to return, I think, during the tournament. But um, someone that probably didn't get as much um, of the cred credibility at set piece because Zoe was so outstanding around the park as well was Abby Ward yeah. um, and there is no um, I can't think of how to explain it but Bristol there's no surprise that Bristol are where they are yeah. because of the likes of Abby Ward being there yeah. um, damage she does defensively at line out is ridiculous the pressure she puts on the opposition throwers is crazy yeah. and the way she dominates aerially as well from England's attack I think she'll be she'll be up there like causing absolute havoc and she came back I think she was I think she probably would have you know she was talked about um, like amazingly like it, in the World Player of the Year conversations, her name was thrown about, but she didn't play in the first part of the Six Nations and yeah. she had injury. So, yeah, I think she'll be um, she'll be up there. It's interesting. Like, I've had um, conversations with some of the other Bristol girls recently and they talk, it's not just about the pressure that she puts on opposition. It's, um, she drives standards like nobody else. It's, the pressure she puts on the her hooker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think, um, yeah, she's uh, she's a force to be reckoned with. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Island Wales this weekend. I will be there for BBC Radio Wales. You can join me on BBC Radio Wales from about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, despite the fact it's a 4.45 kickoff, but that's a story for another time. Um, I'm I I absolutely love rugby. I love rugby. But we we're going hard. We will be previewing the Women's Six Nations for the first hour of our program on Saturday. And I'm really excited about that. So please join us. It'll be me, Carol James, and Alex Donovan. Um, and then we will have full commentary of the match. But the match is also live on the BBC this weekend. As with all of the Women's Six Nations fixtures, they are all live on the BBC. And you don't have to go hunting for them this year. They are on front channel. So this is exciting. And that is genuine progress in terms of visibility of women's sport. Uh, what do we know about Ireland? Where where are Ireland going into this tournament, Knowles? Um, I think probably the headlines for me is that they have three massive leaders having retired. So Kira Griffin, Claire Malloy and Lindsay Pete um, retired after the autumn. That's huge for them. They dog work that those three do is just mad like they're incredible leaders they're incredible women just work their apps and that like real gnarly horribleness that kind of underpinned how Ireland would approach games aren't there so they're from retirement the the coach as well um what's his name can't remember it's gone off the top of my head it's gone um hasn't also selected Kalina Maloney, Sena Nupu and Annika Police. It was supposedly in the squad. Yeah. Um, I think we will see them return against at some point in the Six Nations, but to not announce them in the in the training squad was a bit yeah. weird for me when you've also got three of your main players haven't retired. Um, so, yeah, I think one thing that's interesting is they've announced Nicola Friday as a captain. Um, so see how she gets on. Big shoes to fill. Um, the other part is um, Neve Briggs. So 
uh, she's assistant coach with Ireland. I had a number of battles with Neve um, over the years, both in the fullback shirt. Um, so yeah, I'm really intrigued to see what influence she's got, whether she's got into them with the kicking game. That was her kind of strength, where she's at from her involvement. Um, so yeah, I think it's hard to say really with Ireland because they've got nine new caps, I think. How many of them are announced in? Um, I'll talk about my ones to watch later. It'll be interesting about culture around Ireland. Obviously, they've now just gone through this process of um, having a report compiled about uh, the state of women's rugby, uh, much like Wales. It, it, you know, it can have a kind of feeling of the slate is wiped clean. So, you know, hopefully there's positivity there. Um, and it will be interesting this weekend. The game is being played at the RDS. Um, so hopefully there'll be a few in for that one. Uh, hopefully it's warm because I've planned a number of spectacular outfits. Um, shall we move on to Wales, who are fully contracted? Uh, well, not fully contracted, partially contracted now. Uh, we've got 12 players on full-time contracts, and then it's about 12, 14, 15 on these part-time contracts. Is the pressure on Wales because they've been awarded these contracts to perform and not just perform, but but see results in this tournament? Um, I think possibly from the outside, it would be interesting to know what's been talked about in inside the camp. I haven't um, spoken to or caught up with any of the girls, um, which hopefully I will do over the next week or so. But I think the 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 main it would be interesting to see how they unpick their performance so is performance winning is performance certain parts ret ball retention tackle completion you know at times some of their defense was pretty woeful over the last couple of seasons so yeah. you know I think tackle completion is going to be key um I think looking at the backs that they've got um you know speed of ruck is going to be key for them getting the ball in and out as quick as possible I think Losing Georgia Evans with um, her arm injury is going to be quite significant. She's a really good player. Um, just get stuck in and has also not only a good player, but been around a lot of good players with playing at Saracen. Experience, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I don't think, I personally don't think that Wales should be expecting to go and win the Grand Slam. I think that they, um, I'm sure, will be pretty realistic. I think what I want to see is them not overplaying and not trying because you've got extra, like my concern with any squad and it'd be interesting because you went into camp to know what actually um, that Johan is doing is it's really tempting when you go into a full-time program to fill the time with creating all of these great moves and doing all of this fancy stuff when actually your bread and butter is the most important thing. And I think what lets a lot of players down is when they think that they need, and my frustration over the years is, you know, they want full-time contracts. Of course, I, I did 12 years without playing, being paid and had to balance full-time, but I never use that as an excuse to not be fit enough, to not be strong enough, to not have good work on my basic skills. And I wasn't as good as they could be because I wasn't around my team. So the timing and the like, but actually the, the skill set I needed for my position, that individual stuff that you can take the time in the mornings, in the evenings, five minutes here, five minutes there, through the week, that hasn't been traditionally good enough, I think, across some teams. And I'm it'd be really interesting to see the catch and pass and the, you know, the tackle um 
tackle technique, set piece coordination? Do they try and overplay in the lineouts or actually are they just nailing basic stuff? Um, yeah, that's that's what I want to see from yeah. that. It's interesting. I mean, Johan as a coach has kind of been characterised by um, previously when he was at Scarlet's and, and through the, the Wales coaching system, people speak very highly of him as being a very talented coach. And, and that can obviously mean a variety of things from the kind of anecdotally, what I've witnessed having been in camp is it is basics that he seems to be concentrating on. And, um, you know, you, you can't play rugby without the ball and, and, you know, you, you have to get that set piece right and stuff like that. And actually the first half of that game against USA, they looked really good. They looked like they were getting that stuff right. There were a few little kind of timing issues here and there where I think players are kind of um, feeling certain things out in that match environment because obviously they're spending a lot of time together, but they they haven't been playing rugby together. Um, but yeah, I think the, the friendly against the USA don't look at that as being a loss on paper for this new Wales setup. It, it There were 34 players togged out for that game and the second half was essentially rolling subs. There were players getting five, six minutes here and there. Um, I think maintaining a structure in that scenario is very difficult. I do think one of the issues that Wales have is that, you know, you've got a group of players who are contracted, but there is still a big gulf between the players at the top of, of Wales and the players at the bottom. So you've got a squad there of, what, 32, 34 players for this Six Nations and the Wales's top players are infinitely better than than the ones at the bottom of that squad. And I, you know, I mean that as no disrespect, but there is a huge gulf in quality. And I think that's where Wales have got a long way to go in terms of the development of the game to bring those players up. Um, I'm buzzing to see Cecilia Tupelo to play for Wales. Um, and I cannot wait to watch that girl get her first cap. I feel like I'm obsessed with her at the moment. Like I am just genuinely obsessed. I just think that she is going to be like the 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 new dawn for me i can't wait i love her see how she gets on um i mean obviously she's a big physical specimen but how she copes with the intensity and speed of international rugby um and i also and don't think we're going to see her start this championship and finish it in the same position so he, she played second row in the friendly i think she's a six she she's a, at that level as well she's a six know what put her in the center crash ball oh i know that's what i want like literally like stick her at 12 stick her at 12 hannah jones outsider like little and large love this love this wales so yeah uh expectation i think perhaps like you say is external i know having had conversations with them and the feature i did for bbc the other week they it's not results at this point it is performance and it is working out who they are how they're going to play you know they they've got New Zealand in their World Cup group and now Scotland as well so yeah it's um it's an interesting one when uh when Wales play Scotland that'd be a really good fixture but yeah I mean it's an opportunity to play five hard test matches isn't it um so yeah and I think yeah you're right in terms of it is the depth and how Joanne like drip feeds that in because you've got to give people game time because you know and now we're seeing potentially with snowy injured with robin wilkins who was put forward she's not she could be a good fullback didn't have the confidence in that position in my opinion we'll be getting the 10 shirt but then who plays outsider and what happens you know yeah. all those things and i think that's one interesting thing as well with that is that Karis Williams doesn't qualify for Wales yet, but I think we will see her in 
the squad. Wasn't involved. Prep. Say again. I was wondering why she wasn't involved. July. She doesn't qualify till July, but I think she'll be straight in. Um, okay, so Nolly, Italy. Talk to me about your beloved Italians. Um, well, last year, I don't like, they pushed England, didn't they? They really did push England and the scoreline did not reflect the game at all. Like one iota. Um, interestingly, they played some really good stuff in the World Cup qualifier as well, um, but then lost to Ireland and Ireland looked, like a totally different squad against them compared to any other team Um, in that fixture alone. Uh, I think for them, it's consistency. I think it's how can they, how can they actually put their hard work? It's it's, it's like the men's, right? That, you know, they put in a big shift defensively when you play Italy and this happened for years, you get absolutely smacked like your body, like you feel like you've been in a tumble dryer and you've played a big test match, but the scoreline doesn't always say that. Yeah. Um, so it's base. it's how can they not leak easy points and also get, get over the trial line themselves, you know, in 2019, I think they came second um, and they were unbelievable. They completely took France, put France to the sword Um so yeah, I think I think they they're in a good place. They've got some really lovely young players coming in, but Furlan, who has traditionally played at fullback, was playing on the wing, and she's been in really good form. She also messaged me um, yesterday on the back of Instagram and That's said, okay. "Are you living in Rome?" And I said, "Yes." And she's I said because of my fiance, he's running a hotel, and she said, "Oh, do we get mates rates for rugby friends?" Um, and uh, I said, we'll see, we'll see what we can do. Um, it'll be good to know about some Italy rugby. I'm going to have a bit of time to, you know, maybe do some coaching over here, blah, blah, blah. And she didn't reply. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's, she's probably like gone to the um, Italian Rugby Federation and like, right, okay, she's here. She's ours now. What can we offer her? Um, have they got an opportunity in their opening match to, I don't want to say take a scalp because we've seen them beat France in recent times, but to open their account against a France team that are missing two of their key players? Um, yeah, so like Bujard, the well nominated for World Player of the Year last year, um, and Safi and Daye, I think... I think the depth of the French squad is going to be too much for the Italians. I think it will be a close, probably 50 or 60 minutes. I think when, uh, when, sorry, when France start unloading the bench, I think it will be interesting to see. That said, um, you never quite know with any team in your opening game how all of your training comes off and the one team you probably don't want to face in your opening round is Italy because they really get stuck into you so I think it's a massive ask for the for the French to perform in that game and I think it is a real opportunity for for the Italians to they can get some early scores and they can you know they can convert the points that they like they did in the um world cup qualifier i think furland got the first ever hat trick as well you know like i think yeah i'll be i am gonna ask you to whiz us very quickly through your ones to watch shortly but first of all can you give me your fanzo pint predictor france didn't talk about france 
Oh, sorry. I, th- I thought you'd, you'd covered France off there with your, your missing players, but okay. go on, talk to me about France. They're really good. There you go. Okay. Let's move-, <laughs> move on. France are really good. We know that. Uh, right. Who's three matches? I don't, you don't have to give me the margin, but give me a Fanzo pint predictor. Who's winning each of those games? Uh, England? Yeah. Silence is golden on a podcast, Molly. Um, Ireland. Whoa! No, Ireland oh. at home. Oh, oh. oh the pressure! Oh. The pressure! Who are, you, who are you going for? Wales. Okay. Um, wait, I'm gonna, wait, can I see the team? Wales. See the team. But well, I think Wales. I I think the girls that have been playing in Premier 15s up front have been unbelievable, especially the Gloucester Hartbury group, and if. They took apart the was it Bristol scrum? No, which scrum? Which game did I commentate on? And they really ripped into them. Harlequins, Harlequins. That was the yeah. game. Um, I'm going to call Wales actually on that one. Okay, and then France, Italy. I'm going to call France, but it will be a lot closer than I think people expect. Okay, and now Nolly. Without further ado, this. Six Nations Championship. Who are your ones to watch for each of the nations? Oh, well, there's so many. So I think I, I started writing loads of names down. And then I realised that actually where we're at in the women's game at the moment is there are some unbelievable playmakers, like some really good rug- rugby players. And I love that. And players that have got lots of things about them. So they're not just your kind of run-of-the-mill players. They've got a run kick pass game but they're a bit spicy with their footwork or they've got a massive big drill boot or they they pull the strings in a really cool way and 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 I think probably the main ones to watch are all the fly halves I think the tens um so you've got Druant um in the French side I think she's going to be up there with player of the tournament I think she is unbelievably skillful um she hasn't got into her groove in recent years because of I think transferring back from sevens and fifteens if she plays like I've seen her play and I think I know she can play, she'll make some people look very silly. Like she's really good. Um, Stacey Flood as well. I've said it in the past. I think she's one of the, she's got one of the best pass selections I've seen on a women's player for a long, long time um, for Ireland. I think she is brilliant. Um, she also can kick it. For me, it's her game management. Um, so how can she really move a young Irish side around the park Um, and if she doesn't get front football it's going to be hard but her passing is wicked Um, England is an interesting one because Zoe Harrison in my opinion is a 10 she is an out and out 10 she's like Owen Farrell in my opinion is a 10 Um, played really well in the autumn Um, but Helena Rowland has been carving out for Loughborough Lightning I think it should be Zoe at 10, Helena at 12. So both of them get the nod. Okay. <laughs> Helen Nelson, I think, is um, is a really consistent player um, for Scotland. Um, she needs to trust her passing game, um, but actually is a really brilliant, skillful player. Kicked the goal, the clutch kick to draw the game against France, history made, um, and has also done some wonderful little cross-field kicks to score for her mate, Rona. Um, 
and yeah I think her game her variety opens up Scotland and challenges defenders um which will which will pull them through games so I think she's a, she's brilliant um Madia the Italian 10 um her pass is so fast through the air um that releases the likes of Solari um and Furlan in the 13 15 fullback kind of wing um game her game management I think um be interesting to see how she gets on but her passing is just wicked and then Wales is an interesting one because with Snowy injured I think Robin Wilkins again has got an absolute rocket boot um she's physical and when she backs herself she's really classy so those are my tens um I have just picked a couple of other players so you've mentioned let her. me guess they all went to Gloucester Hartbury or they went to <laughs> Hartbury College um so with England, um, Maudmer, I think, you know, playing in every, like playing in loose and tight head um, wasps in the same game. She also covers hooker. Where she will play for England, I don't know. Also the sweetest girl in rugby. Oh, I don't know. Smiley. Yeah, no, Maudmer is class. I've mentioned a whole load of the England girls. I think Alex Matthews on form is absolutely world-class back rower. Um, and I want to see Foxy, Foxy Red, Harriet Miller Mills um, getting some game time. Be interesting to see where England play her. She's really, she's a really skillful player. Um, we love her because she's our friend. Yeah. Who else? Um, Kate, little Katie Mattinson. Little Katie Mattinson came off the bench in the World Cup qualifier. I think she'll get some ge- decent game time, and she will get be able to give. Scotland some really decent ball quick ball um which hopefully um kind of open up their backs which is brilliant and you know someone that isn't I haven't spoken much about is Emma Wassell and um, we've spoken about Sarah Bonner in the second row coming back from injury she'll be brilliant for Scotland no She's doubt not available this weekend though Right, so she so hasn't played enough rugby, obviously, to return. But Emma no, Wassell- why she's not available because the RAF have pulled rank, and she's playing into services rugby this weekend, and is unavailable for Scotland England. I think that's massive. Oh wow! I know. That's huge, isn't it? Isn't it? I'm really surprised by. I can only assume that the the RAF rugby women's coach is English and just doesn't want her available for that game. But yeah, I, I was really interested. I spoke to, to Bonbon on uh, Tuesday and she told me I was very surprised. Gosh. Well, yeah. Russell, who I think has played 51 consecutive caps for Scotland. Oh my God. That unbelievable achievement. She got given a presented with a special cap, I think by Scotland, I, you know, she, and she's playing at Loughborough Lightning now. She is a real gnarly, hardworking, very similar to Abby Ward, second row. Um, so I'm, in, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how she goes this tournament. I think she'll be putting her hand up literally in the air. In the, the old... <laughs> so you uh, line out joke, like it? Um, for me, I think the French is um, the number eight girl. I think there's a lot of talk about Safi and Dae. She's injured at the moment. There's a lot of talk about Menage at seven. There's a lot of talk about um, like their front row, their loose, their, their young tight head. I can't remember her name, unfortunately. But um, Gro is like tough, ball carrying, like 
bowling ball type of player batters people when she's got yeah. the ball out it so yeah she's an interesting one I, I'm interested to see how she goes and also the nine combination with Sansu um, and whether she gets the nod um, in that that nine shirt those that are amazing um, and wonderful um, but and I apologize but yeah those are the players that I'm uh, I'm looking forward to and I think those tens are gonna I think the big thing for the girls that all the tens that I've mentioned in particular um all wonderful players in their own right the big thing is how what ball they can get and which nine they've got service wise but if their set piece is good and they've got a decent platform I think all of those girls will be able to to produce some magic and I, that's that's the sexy stuff isn't it that's the stuff that you want to be seeing in highlights reels and I'm, that's what I love about women's rugby at the moment is those players are there and it's not just the you know Poppy Khalil had a wonderful tournament last year um rightly so player of the tournament um but I want to see it, one of the playmakers. I want to see the real sexy rugby coming out um, and it being come from, um, you know, potentially one of those girls. And I have to say, you know, we talk a lot about this standalone tournament, but it will be really interesting because of the nature of the pitches that the girls have been served up in, in previous years. What nice weather's going to have. Well, also, you know, I've, this is a little fact for you. Go on. Of matches being played how many different grounds are there being used um one two three four five six seven nine twelve different grounds that's up yeah, 12 different grounds, which is really exciting. I'm really intrigued to see how those all sell out. I think Gloucester's getting close to yeah. big of the stands um by the Sansing Scotland is I think um yeah I, I'm intrigued I think the, the interesting one for me is when the games move to 4G the impact that has on the matches but oh. also on the players um I'll tell, you I would I'll tell you a funny story so when I was at the Scotland girls yesterday they said that the England girls have been texting them like oh what's the condition of the pitch like at Dam Health and the Scotland girls keep telling them that they've had loads of rain and it's like really glitchy it's 4G. <laughs> yes. Gamesmanship. I like it. I like it. Bit of Scottish banter there. Banter there for the right. Scottish girls. Everybody, get on Fanzo. We're going to put it all over our socials. Thank you for listening. Um, we'll be updating you as the tournament goes on with our thoughts, feelings, emotions. Happiness is, and as Pete from Fanzo has said in his recent email, don't be sad it's over. It's only half time. Bye. Bye.